you're not saying that you have to do right. um, train yeah, dancing to be, be a good dancer. And exactly. Thing, but like Karin said, shape you, it mold you, and it prepare you for the world that's out there. Yeah. If, there if somebody book you, you know, say, you're not going to shorten yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, say, your body is your instrument. You have to take care of your body. Mm-hmm. You know the type of stretch you need to do yeah. before um, it this, the performance that goes wrong, mm-hmm. and then, you know, if you take care of your body, then yeah. you learn the business side. So, <laughs> and when we go to school, and the only dance we learn, the kinesiology, maths, mm-hmm. philosophy, mm-hmm. all of that help. You know, it's good to know them something for, like you say, mold you into a better um, dancer, professionally and business wise. Mm-hmm. You know, so definitely. everyone my name is tally and you are listening to a dancer's voice is dance a viable career in jamaica part of the voices of jamaica podcast series made possible by the alpha school of music with support from the public affairs office from the u.s embassy kingston today i have with me a group of diverse individuals operating in various fields and they'll be sharing their experiences about their careers as dancers in jamaica and how they navigate through the ups and downs of their journey we have kimika miller a.k.a. Kimika Versatile. She's a dancer, teacher, choreographer, entrepreneur, owner of Versatile Studios, located at 26 Lady Musgrave, Downer Avenue, and Kimika V Boutique. Kimika was also recently featured in a Netflix docuseries entitled Move, which showcases dancers shaping the art of movement around the world. We also have Kareen Walton, lecturer at the Edna Manley College of the Visual and Performing Arts, production manager at The Lab, entrepreneur, owner of Dance Fire, based at 25 West Street downtown at Fire Studio, Stephen Cornwall, dance fitness extraordinaire, and Dancehall Wasi, Dancehall dancer extraordinaire. Hi guys, and again, thanks for being here and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Hey. (laughs) So let's jump right in. Stephen, I want to ask you, what were your expectations for your career path while you were studying? And after graduation, what was your first job? My expectations were definitely to get myself into a contemporary company overseas. Um, during the course of my studies, that kind of shifted a little bit. Um, I really wanted to do contemporary, but it was weird because when you look at the companies overseas, and you look at what they wanted and what the teachers were demanding of you, 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 can't, you kind of felt scared because you're like, my leg is not going so high. I mean, I started late as a male dancer anyway. And some of these dancers, they had years and years of ballet training. And you're just coming, so you're like, you're already behind. You're not doing the terms. Your leg is not up as high. You don't have a great point as, you know, what is recommended or what's the standard point. So you're kind of like, you want to rethink your um, decision. So what I did know, I kind of shifted my dance choices into more fitness, into more commercial stuff. So I started doing a lot of dance stuff, a lot of Afrobeats. Um, I was getting into a lot of corporate Jamaica, doing functions, doing classes and stuff. So that's where I shifted. Don't remember my first job, but I knew it was somewhere dancing at a function, at some corporate events. And I mean, I was getting paid for this. So, you know, I wanted to do this more because I was like, wow, I'm dancing and I'm getting paid for it. So why wouldn't I not want to do this? That's it. Anybody yeah. else want to chime in or he basically covered for everybody? Yeah, he covered for everyone. Yeah, but um, graduating from a professional school, they, the expectation is that you have to be a part of a big company 
um, overseas. And and, yeah, everybody was focused on that. But I was a person, very, I'm very cultural, I'm very rooted, and I like my Jamaican culture. I love dancehall, I love traditional folk, anything <laughs> to do with black diaspora, you know, black movement. Right. So I, I, I didn't feel like I fit in. I saw a lot of prejudice when it came on to um, modern contemporary, because maybe if you weren't a, a certain color, or a, a certain body type, they didn't really focus so much on you. So I felt very like well, disregarded in that way. So I was like, what can I do in, with dance that still makes me feel good and make me can um, express myself based on who I am? So the, the, the modern contemporary, the ballet is good foundation for anything that you want to do. But I, was, I started to gear myself more to Jamaican culture. So leaving Edna Manley, I went into, straight into dancehall. And they, they, or a lot of our people look down on dancehall. So my aim was to bring, show dancehall on a level where it's more appreciated, where it can be professional, you know, that sort of thing. And then my first um, work was working in the hotel. Okay. Yeah. Karine? Well, for me, um, similar to what Stephen and Kimika said, and listening to them, it's kind of like, oh, I never know you guys felt that way because that was more for me. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like my body type and my leg do pass 95 exactly. degrees. <laughs> so, but I studied for a performance and choreography degree. So as a, I wanted to be a performer. Choreography, not so much. But the performance part, belly big, leg not go too high. I don't really know where I can go with that in Jamaica professionally and overseas, maybe not so much. But while I was studying, I started teaching um, adult dance and children as well. And I kind of fell in love with that. So I went down that path. I was still performing, still choreographing, but I was also teaching like studio dance. So I did that. And then my first job was teaching at St. Andrew High, their dance troupe. Okay. Okay. That's, that's very interesting to know that you all find joy in teaching, even after studying for dance and choreography degrees or even, you know, being contemporary dance studios. So that's all was mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, I know your experiences might be a little bit different, but I want yeah. I really want to touch on what you saw for yourself as a career as a dancehall dancer, you know, strictly dancehall dancer. And also what was your first job? What was that like? Well, I didn't go to to, to school for dancing. Right. But started when I started dancing, I was doing African, like hardcore African. Oh, okay. Yeah and cultural dances. I started work from I was in high school, ninth grade. Wow. Yes. <laughs> I was working for a group in Westmoreland. Okay. And my second job, I went to um, Grand Palladium. So that's where I paid all my six years and all of that. So oh. thank God for that. Uh, thank God indeed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, as for now, I'm a teacher, dancehall teacher, dancehall creator, steps, yes. And I really enjoy teaching international. Hopefully one day I'm going on tour, get to do everything I want to do. So (laughs) happy. It's so interesting that you all are teachers in your own right. Moving on, I know that you guys talked about a little bit of insecurity and, you know, stigmas. And I really want to touch on that Um, in terms of, the insecurities that you feel, what would you say were your top two and how did those insecurities play on your mindset for your success now? So we can start off with Kimiko. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My top two insecurities, I would say my legs, 
Me they think some like them too long when we did younger. <laughs> me have a long legs and short torso, and me did insecure about that. But when I became a part of Ashe Academy, the director at the time, Joe Robinson, always says, "Stretch out that legs, you have nice long legs." <laughs> and I used to roll my eyes and say, "I'm not like it." But me realized that like when I saw the ballet dancers, their legs were long and elongated and nice and thing, and I said, "All right, how me can use my legs for you know." Right. show the beauty of it and not be so insecure so I think dancing helped me with my legs when I went to um the modern contemporary at La Cadco or Edna or anywhere they, they loved my legs I always say you have nice dancers legs and they're like oh I did me a dancing legs alright <laughs> let me use them up so just by dancing I think that was therapy for me when it came out to my legs it, it motivated me it made me feel better about my legs Um, another insecurity of mine would be when it comes down to freestyle mm-hmm. I don't consider myself a good freestyler because sometimes I think too much. And when I think too much, everything come out of my head. <laughs> everything come out of my head. I'm like, what? I don't know what to do. And then I repeat the move again. And then the insecurity start chipping. And then I just feel like a fouler butter. You know, I feel like I never execute how I want to. You know, when I do some freestyle, they come off and I say, know what me do? Could I do better now? Why that? Why am I repeat that four times? Why am I could do this? So that's that's one of my other insecurities, top insecurities. However, I work on it, and then I tell myself, if I'm in a position like that, don't think, don't think about it. Um, and I realized that worked for me. So those are my two insecurities. Karine? But you know, insecure no more. <laughs> <laughs> Karine, you want to touch on this? Well, from growing up, I was always a big baby, mm-hmm. so my belly is always big, mm-hmm. and it's still big. Um. But despite or in spite or with it anyways, I was still, I'm still a great dancer. And coming up through school and even like now in life, I'm still a great performer. I can still choreograph. So I guess you can say, quote unquote, in spite of mm-hmm. the belly, I can still do everything that everybody else can do. And it kind of, it's not really like integrate anymore. It's like, it's just a part of who I am. So like even in like my final year, I, I feel like I was one of the top dancers in my year. And it showed in my grades, and I was very happy and proud of that because we work hard. <laughs> we work very hard. And so I don't think that, so even though like society has an idea of what a dancer should look like and how the body should move and how high them like, can go and how high them can hold it up Definitely. and float and this and stretch X and Y and Z everywhere, mm-hmm. my body couldn't do that, but it didn't make me less of a performer or less of a person or even less of a dancer. So like... I think I've grown out of that. So I know who I am in myself as a dancer, as a dance teacher. So mm-hmm. Wasi, in terms of, you know, the dancehall scene, um, do you have any insecurities in that scene where, you know, body image or, you know, you may feel like you're boxed into a certain image. Like, for example, all dancehall dancers, you know, them always come from the ghetto or them always in a no clothes or, you know, anything <laughs> like that. Do you struggle with, you know, any of those stigmas? The only thing I struggle with, like, when I just started dancing, I couldn't whine no time. <laughs> the only thing I didn't know if I do would be a male steps. couldn't whine. Mm-hmm. So when I come tone and I say all the females are my whine and everything and I do them thing and thing, me now try. Mm-hmm. But me knowing <laughs> myself say, it's not going to come out good. So when me try no one... Everything, everybody I come to me and they must say, oh, you look good doing it. So right there, so now me just say, all right, make a start practice and make it work. I'm do it. I know I'm comfortable. Nobody can tell me, so I can't whine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So Stephen, as you know, the male in the room, <laughs> save the falas. Any insecurities as a male dancer and dancer Afrobeats, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, going back to my earlier days of dancing and um I mean, I was a part of an institution where I was training and stuff. Um, I was one of the shorter guys, um, smaller with body weight and what how I felt well, how I felt, I was very insecure because I felt like they didn't give everybody a fair chance. So, um, they all, you know, any place, they always have their star student and they always have this person that their favoritism and that, that, but they never gave other person a chance. And no matter how much you wanted to, I mean, you make a mistake. Yeah. You're here to learn, give the person a chance. And I never felt like I got a chance because they were saying, oh, he's short. So I was so happy when I met um, Tony Wilson. Um, he's the artist director of the company, Dance Theater. Amazing person. And he kind of helped me with some of those insecurities. I mean, my confidence level grew so much when I met um, that man. He taught me everything that I know. I mean, I went to NMI and they taught me the base, but he really showed me how to become a dancer. Right. To perform, to really step out of my comfort zone, to really he gave me a basically gave me a chance to do what he knew I could do. So um that was one of my insecurities. And the second one was just I just not confident enough. Right. I was just not confident. So because of that, I would never step out and do something different outside the box. So that was I mean I wasn't confident enough, but as I said, thank God to Mr. Wilson. He really brought that out into me. I know I'm extremely confident I can go up on any stage and dance mm-hmm. and do a thing. And, you know, if you know, if you don't like it, then you can yeah. dance. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how horror stories overlap and intertwine. Yeah. Right. Like when I started teaching dancers, dancers say, all right, if I go teach dancers, I mean, if you go in and and see what's going on, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you, you can't teach dancers dance and don't go to pass to them and yeah, know what's actually happening. You have to be real of a dance. You can't just go and teach content if you're not going. Exactly. Right. Same, same, same thing. Yeah, you have to be. Right. But then you can tell her 2022, soon, right. soon to be. Right. You cannot be teaching Willie Bounce and sitting on the plane the same right. way. That is true. Exactly. I tell the truth, no matter how me go dance, I'm still shy in the space because that's how the space is. It's very intimidating. Intimidating. So it's not even just your insecurities, it's a space itself. That is true. That mm. is true. Facts, facts, facts. Mm-hmm. So do you guys think that, you know, the training that you had made you a better dancer operating in your various fields? Or do you feel like you could have done it without that training? <laughs> I don't think I could have done it without the training. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think I think our training and our experiences shape who we are today and it affects it. Mm-hmm. So like I don't think if I never go school for this or so I would not be where I am today mm. because it's shaped who I am. So going through the motions of learning choreography and knowing this and having a performance here, that shaped me to know, okay, when I'm going to, or a company approach me to say, okay, I want you to perform here. What type of floor is there? How much money am I get paid? Mm-hmm. How right. much the, the, the cost right. to rent the studio? All them some of the, I learned, I learned that there through experiences and through the lessons taught. So I feel like everything has shaped who I am today. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're not saying that you have to do right. Um, train yeah, dancing to be be a good dancer and exactly. Thing, but like Karin said, shape you, it mold you, and it prepare you for the world that's out there. Yeah. So like Karin said, if there, is it somebody book you, you know, say you're not going to shorten yourself. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, say your body is an instrument. You have to take care of your body. Mm-hmm. You know the type of stretch you need to do yeah. before um. It, 
this, the performance and I was wrong mm-hmm. and then you know if you take care of your body then yeah. you learn the Kinesi business Kinesi side so, <laughs> and when we go to school and only dance we learn a kinesiology maths mm-hmm. philosophy all of that help you know it's good to know them something for like I said mold you into a better um, dancer professionally and business wise mm-hmm. you know so definitely so I just want to touch on you know any advice you'd give to young people seeking careers in dance what advice would you give someone who may want to go and get training or even just someone who maybe can't afford it but they want to you know be like a Kimiko or a Wasi where you know they can be able to get gigs advice wow in Jamaica I mean I would say um there is career there is a career in dance but you just have to be wise about it and you have to be direct in what you want so make sure you have a plan and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do in five years. Because most of us, because even when I started, I had a plan, but it wasn't a plan plan. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So make sure you're intentional with your plans and make sure you know exactly what you want and, and list the stuff that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, ask questions. I mean, go go to shows, go, go in the streets, know what it is like. Yeah. Be a realistic them. with your goals to make sure that, okay, in two weeks, I want to do this. In five years, I want to do this. So, Keep yourself accountable. Right. But there is a career path in dance. You just have to be wise about it and know where to look for. Yeah, man. That's true. Um, Stephen, to touch on that, um, especially for the dancer, people Mm -hmm. look down on dancer Mm -hmm. in our culture. So my aim was to prove to them that, not even just to prove, just to show that dancer can be appreciated and it can be commercialized in a way where Everybody can enjoy it. So <laughs> I thought I took on that role for myself in showing that by using my professionalism, right? So it's good to network with people. Definitely. If I go to um, Ministry of Culture or something. Or to education. Do a, yes. And they want a performance. I say, okay, we have to do a performance that's appropriate for the setting. If you go to a dancer, I know you know, it's all right. That, that next setting. So it's good to analyze, network different people, learn from everyone. You're always learning. It's a learning process. Don't think, don't make your ego get the best of it. You think, oh, I can't do this. I mean, I don't even know this and thing. No, you're always learning. Learn as much as you can as you get older. Um, take on some challenges, some gigs that incorporate dancing in it so the people can get to know you and see your talent. You know, enter competitions. Dancing Dynamite, um, what's the other competition? Any competition out there, you have to just try to put yourself out there so people can see it. You have to fight for your goals. It's not just going to come to you. You have to fight for everything. So yeah, just go out there and try to get it. Don't don't lay back and think that it will come to you. That's that's my biggest um teachings I've learned to go out there and put yourself out there. Don't don't hold back. True. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Well, absolutely. So yes, I'm a everything. Everything. And also, I think you have to you have to you have to present yourself in a way make people know that you're serious. Right. Especially if you're going out in the corporate world or if are you booking a job. Just because you're dancing, you can't blah, blah, blah. Especially mm-hmm. if you're going for a job or whatever. Make yourself look presentable right. so people can take it serious. You have to be a business or you have to understand that this is your bread and butter. This is your life. All right. Well, thank you, guys. We're coming up to the end of our talk. And I would just like you all to drop your Instagram handles so we know where we can find you. So, Stephen? Stevs2015 at S-T-E-V-Z 2015. Awesome. I also can find me at Vibans J-A. Awesome. That's me. Karine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Walton on Instagram, at Star as well as my personal page, and at Dance Fire. For studio bookings, at Fire Studio JM. 
Awesome. Wasi? So you can find me on Instagram, dancerwasi underscore official. Um, my business page, I do makeup also. So Dalkan Boutique. You can follow the page. You can link me if you want your face beat up and beating. <laughs> and Kimiko. You can find me on Instagram as Kimiko Versatile.official. You don't know on YouTube. You can type in Kimiko Versatile. You can also find me at Kimiko.v underscore beauty. That is my boutique page. And the Dancehall Dance Association will be um, launching their um, websites and you can find that a lot of information on me on that. You can also go ahead and watch Move on Netflix episode four hey where you get to yeah, know <laughs> everything out there. Just type in Kimika Versatile. Awesome. <laughs> So, all right, listeners, that's it for the episode. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Tali, and you are listening to A Dancer's Voice. Is dance a viable career in Jamaica? Part of the Voices of Jamaica podcast series made possible by the Alpha School of Music with support from the Public Affairs Office at the U.S. Embassy, Kingston. Bye, guys. For more information about the Voices of Jamaica and the stories they tell, please visit the Alpha School of Music website, alphamusicja.com, and click on the Voices of Jamaica link.